This is Fine Rambles, number 174. Okay, imagine if your kid, your child, had some issue. And you said, you said, let's celebrate your issue. And you said that rather than trying to solve the problem. And as a result, he or she steered into the issue. And, and he made it a larger and larger part of his identity until he was practically proud of it or thought he was. And, and society validated that pride. And then 10 years later, 20 years later, that issue created real problems in his life, undeniable problems. And he came to you and he said, why didn't you help me solve this problem when it was small and, and new? And I feel like that's where we are. We've gone from We've gone from ridicule to to tolerate to celebrate. And and it used to be that well the ridicule was a it was a social pressure to stop doing a bad thing. And that pressure is healthy. Okay? It's important for a society to tell you when you're doing something wrong. It keeps you from going off the rails. But that became too mean, I guess. And so we went to tolerate. And I think tolerate is just this mealy-mouthed shrug of indifference, where you see someone doing something bad, something self-destructive, where you see someone going off the rails, and you just say, yeah, I don't care. I can't be bothered to try to help that person stop. And even that became, you know, that became socially unacceptable. And now we're at celebration, which is an actual reversal of values, where we see something that's bad and we say, well, no, it's actually good. Actually, it's actually good. Take obesity. Okay, at the risk of offending 40% of Americans, it's bad to be obese. Okay, it's unhealthy to be obese. And in my lifetime, I've seen the response to obesity shift all the way from ridicule to celebration. It used to be a teasing, hey fatty, on the playground, and now it's the bald-faced lie of healthy at any size. Teasing, you know, dare I say fat-shaming, it was unpleasant. But this, this peer pressure, this feedback, worked. There's no pleasant way to convey an unpleasant truth. Truths that have to be conveyed and attempts to coat the medicine in sugar fool nobody. They fool nobody. Okay, I can tell you from personal experience that a a serious face and a condescending, sympathetic tone, they hurt worse than straightforward ridicule. Okay, I had a very bad stutter when I was in high school. At times, I could barely talk. And thank goodness I was ridiculed for it. You know, thank goodness I was teased. Hey, Matt, how you doing? You know, luckily this was long enough ago that my parents didn't tolerate my stuttering. They didn't accept it. No, they took me to a speech therapist. And and the peer pressure I was enduring, and yes, it was extremely unpleasant at the time, but that peer pressure helped incentivize me to solve the problem. And today, my peers who who ridiculed me would probably be called bullies, and they would get in trouble, and my parents would hesitate before trying to help me, before trying to ooh, change me. 
And maybe, God forbid, maybe they'd even celebrate my stutter. And you know what? I'd probably still be stuttering. And my life would be worse for it. And I'd probably be bitter at my parents. And I'd be angry at society for celebrating the problem rather than pushing me to solve it. Look, if every issue is celebrated, if every problem is embraced, how will we ever improve? We won't. When did we start believing the lie that you're perfect just the way you are? No, no, you're not. A hundred times no. And, you know, I can hear the objection. What you said hurt me. It hurt my feelings. Okay, and? Look, I'm going to put this badly, (laughs) but hurt feelings aren't that important. Yes, they provide feedback, but don't put them on a pedestal. Don't endlessly examine them. Don't navel-gaze, because there's always going to be something to complain about, right? There's always a reason to feel sorry for yourself. And that habit is destructive. It leads downhill. It leads to to dissatisfaction and envy and resentment and, and hatred. It leads to hell. The best thing for being sad, well, it's probably a good sweat. (laughs) A good sweat will clear your mind better than meditation. But the next best thing for being sad is to learn something. Stop thinking about yourself. Step outside yourself and learn about the world. Learn about somebody else for a change. Now, I'm not denying your pain, okay? The hurt is real, but that hurt It's mostly just your ego lashing out. It's your ego defending itself. If an idea or or a criticism upsets you, maybe that idea or criticism is wrong. But maybe it's right, okay? And maybe you're wrong. Because very often, your hurt feelings indicate that you need to change. And some part of you needs to be needs to be needs to be burned off. Yes, yes, burned off. Let me tell you something. <laughs> 99% of who you are has to go. 99% of what you are has to be burned away. 99% of you at this moment is is impulse and resentment and sloth and sin and ego and bad habits. So if your fifis get hurt, just start by assuming that you're wrong. Because otherwise, you get defensive, and you lash out, and your ego wins. And that means you'll never change. You'll be stuck. You'll never improve. And that's what we're for. That's why we're here. We're here to climb the mountain towards our best selves. It's an uphill climb, obviously. (laughs) It's an uncomfortable, painful climb. But the people who tell you not to climb the mountain will They want to keep you weak. They want to keep you dependent. They want you to think of yourself as a victim. Those people are the enemy of your best self. So I just look at this progression from teasing to tolerate to celebrate. Heck, we're past celebrating. (laughs) We're encouraging. Society encourages bad behavior. Society encourages self-destructive behavior. It's dysfunctional. More and more, though, I think this evolution was inevitable. As societies prosper, we forget what enabled the prosperity. We take it for granted, and we forget the costs of self-destructive behavior. 
We start to think we're insulated from other people imploding. But we're not. We're all connected. I think tradition understood this. It knew that the destruction of any individual risked pulling everyone else down. But it also realized the value of freedom. The necessity of freedom. The necessity of people finding their own path up the mountain. Because only a free man can climb the mountain. So how did tradition balance freedom and restraint? Well, I think it did it by creating freedom within a set of socially determined constraints. Okay, so you had to stay within these boundaries, but otherwise you were free to explore. Because society knew that outside those boundaries, there were dragons. Even, even if from inside the boundaries, you couldn't see them. And boundaries serve a positive purpose. Well, two purposes, okay? First, first they keep chaos at bay. Without boundaries, chaos rushes in like a flood breaching a dam. And then there's no freedom anywhere. There's no freedom for anyone. But the second purpose of boundaries is that they focus your exploration. If you want to get good at something, begin under heavy constraints. Zoom in. You don't start by writing the great American novel. You start by writing a two-page short story about a specific incident that happened to you. This is how toddlers explore the world, right? They cling to mom's leg, and then, when they feel safe, they cautiously go out into the unknown and they poke around until they feel unsafe, and then, whoop, it's back to mom's leg. When they feel secure again, back out they go, and this time a little further. But mom makes sure they don't walk into traffic because she knows what is dangerous better than the toddler does. So if tradition is freedom within a set of constraints, is modernity constraints within a set of freedoms? In other words, modernity seems to say that everything that you're born into has to be rejected. Your family, community, religion. After all, you didn't choose any of that. Therefore, all of these connections that are time-tested and should be familiar must be rejected. All natural ties must be cut. Cut ties to the people who struggled and sacrificed to raise you. Don't listen to advice based on their accumulated experience. Move out of your hometown. Reject the religion of your father and of your grandfather and of your ancestors. Don't listen to anyone. Reinvent the wheel. Reinvent every wheel. Create every aspect of your world from scratch. Without instruction, you can do it. But at the same time, modernity teaches us that everything beyond the edges of the map, everything that the wisdom of our, of our evolved society says is dangerous, well, we should feel free to just go play out there and, and yell at and bully anyone who tries to warn us or say boo. Today, the ethos is out in the wild, personal autonomy is paramount. If you want to experiment with addictive drugs that predictably destroy lives, go ahead. If you want to elevate promiscuity into a, into a career and ignore the associated mental damage until it's too late, go ahead. If you want to deny the most basic truths about what men and women want and declare you're just a free spirit, man, just a rebel who could handle the, the twists and pitfalls of relationships and children and illness, life itself without a map or even guide rails, go ahead. You're free. Anything goes. That's the message today. You don't owe nothing to nobody. Remember, love, it's just chemicals. Tradition is just ignorance. Religion is just superstition. Community is just stranger stepping on your self-expression. Nations, just lines on a map. You don't need any of those things. You're an individual. 
You have no obligations to anyone. You have no responsibilities to anything. You're just a being floating in space. Choose your own identity. Choose your own adventure. And if it gets hard, ah, just stop. But if it feels good, do it. Well, that's a surefire recipe for self-destruction. And a society that encourages self-destructive behavior, it won't thrive. (laughs) It won't survive. I mean, isn't this obvious that a society that encourages self-destructive behavior will self-destruct? Here's a random. Do you guys know what it means to girdle a tree? I only learned about this a couple months ago. You girdle a tree by cutting off a ring of its bark. A ring of bark that goes all the way around the trunk. And this kills the tree. The nutrients can't get from the roots to to the branches. And so the tree starves. It may look alive for a while, but it's dead. Is that metaphor obvious enough? (laughs) Either way, that's all I got this week. I'll catch you later.